taken your first step into a larger world. The Force will be with you. Always. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast. A journey from the Phantom Menace to the Rise of Skywalker. Now, here are your hosts, Calvin and Anna. Hello there. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a chronological journey from the Phantom Menace to the Rise of Skywalker, one arc at a time. I'm Calvin, I've seen a lot of Star Wars. I'm Anna, and I've seen a little bit of Star Wars. And I'm Wyatt, and I've seen uh, probably too much Star Wars recently, honestly. I feel like at this point, Anna, you could probably start saying you've seen some Star Wars instead of a little bit, because, I mean, you have now finished seasons one and two of the clone wars so yeah and this know, is also we'll be uh halfway done with season three as well so this is yeah seasons true. one two and half were completely done in clone yeah. wars yeah um so this week we watched a very very scattered list of episodes i we watched a sphere of influence in which the pantoran chancellors is it chancellor or like chairman pantoran chairman. it doesn't matter senator chuchi was back yeah Pentoran governor's children, his daughters, were kidnapped by Garrido, and so Senator Chuchi and Ahsoka went on a fun little mission to save them. So then we went on to episode 308, Evil Plans, episode 122, Hostage Crisis, and episode 309, Hunt for Zero, in which we got to watch Cad Bane's whole plan to infiltrate the Senate, liberate Zero, uh, Hunt for Zero, in which... Zero and his little girlfriend went off on their own little way, and we met lots of huts. Heroes on both sides and pursuit of peace and Senate murders, episodes 310, 311, and 215, in which we talked about the a bill to deregulate the banking clan and to get more clone troopers out there and all of the politics surrounding that. Uh, we met Mina Bonteri and the senator from Camino and the banking plan. That's fun. All right, so let's get into it. Sphere of Influence, what do we think? This is, uh, honestly, I've always really enjoyed this episode. It's one of the more random Clone Wars episodes where it's about, like, <laughs> Senator Chuchi and Ahsoka are there, but otherwise with the uh, Baron Papanoida and his kids, it's about characters we really don't know. And, like, well, I'll get into why they the fun facts about them in a bit what did you think anna i wouldn't say this was like my absolute favorite episode but it was definitely enjoyable i really like um senator chuchi um i think she's pretty definitely one of my like favorite ladies in the clone wars um we saw a little bit of her previously i can't remember what episode it was back but it was in the trespass one... i think it's season one yes. episode 15 yeah so I'm really glad we got to see more of her. I really like her. She shows up in the background every once in a while in the Senate scenes. So it was really good to actually get to know her. Um, because she wasn't really, like, she was in Trespass, but we didn't really get to hear much from her. Yeah. Yeah, we got we got her, like, political philosophy, but this was more fun of just her, her hanging out with Ahsoka. She was doing politics. She had a new fancy red coat. This was one of many you know, girl boss episodes that Ahsoka has. You know, we had one earlier with Ahsoka and Padme on Mandalore, you know. So, yeah, so, yeah love, love, love a good Back girl boss episode. And, 
whatever the one after corruption is. Yeah. The Academy. The Academy. Yeah, yeah. an assassin with uh, Ahsoka and Padme as well. Right. Oh, yeah. Lots of girl bossery. It's, I honestly forgot how much they give Ahsoka, like, girl space friends. Like, yeah. they don't give her a girlfriend, but I always associate it as, like, Ahsoka and the boys, because it's Anakin, Obi-Wan, the clones, and, and, and Ahsoka's the uh, smurfette of the group. But yeah, uh, in watching this, I've been pleasantly supri- surprised at how many times, like, Ahsoka is shown to have female friends. Yeah, I mean, they're absolute cowards for not um getting giving Ahsoka a cute girlfriend, but, like, she does have some cute In friends. fairness to them... It is against the rules of the Jedi, but... Yeah, uh, but at the same time, like, everyone else does it. That she's is the, true. Like, she's the right... Fuck, so. And it's, yeah, it is my right favorite... for it. It's, I love how much, like, they, they... Ever since they set the rule, the no attachments rule in stone, there have been so many stories about Jedi breaking it. Um, it's, yeah, uh, I think it's... It's gotta like, be... It's gotta be the most broken rule in the Jedi Order. Yeah, Absolutely. But yeah, yeah. um, fun fact about Sphere of Influence and sort of why we go with the uh, Pantoran characters we do. They're all based off of uh, George Lucas's family. So the Baron is George Lucas. Um, His two daughters are the two daughters. One of them, uh, Katie Lucas, is a writer on the show. I believe, I don't know if she's gotten any credits already, but I know she writes the uh, the next batch of episodes we'll look at. She's got some credits on there. They were cameo characters in Revenge of the Sith. They just, uh, the Lucas family got painted blue for fun, and now they're in this Clone Wars episode, because that's the kind of series we're doing. Fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We love it when uh, you self-insert yourself into your work. Your well, own it's, franchise. Um, yeah, and George Lucas doesn't do it. Like, there are, like, uh, was it Tarantino is in all his movies? Yeah. Like, as cameo characters? Taika um, does a lot of his own movies. Yeah. There's And there's Stanley. directors who... Yeah, there's that there's the trademark of like the cameo, but George Lucas doesn't. He never this is I think the only time he did it, and I think he did it to have fun with his kids, which uh is kind mm-hmm. of adorable. Sweet. Star Wars that is, is sweet. Thing. At the end of the at the end of the day, Star Wars is about family. Yeah, because so. I think I think his two daughters were like teenagers at the time. Like they were still his kids were still all pretty young. And uh wouldn't you wanna be painted blue to put in a Star Wars movie? Oh yeah. That'd be uh, awesome. So um, the next, um, the, the, also the, important is that isn't this the first appearance of Greedo too? Oh yeah, but that doesn't mean anything to Anna. Yeah, but you know this is just a big notes of it. Yeah, that's true. Greedo, the uh, Rodian bounty hunter, was originally ad- introduced in the uh, original Star Wars film. Oh well, I guess yep. I'll see him, see him around. Yeah. Basically. Also, as I as the. Uh, resident animation nerd who keeps noting this this is this is the last appearance of ahsoka in her old outfit in two uh, ep- in a couple episodes we'll see ahsoka in her new outfit for the first time hallelujah we'll talk about that when we get to it but yeah. um now we get the droid shopping episode oh i know that that was so like not to be a, a downer, but I just am not super into the droids. I think this yeah, was a cute this was episode. Not a good showcase for the droids. Yeah, it was say. just like it was just yeah. kind of frustrating, if anything. Um, and then the there fact are better. That, like, oh, sorry, what? I was just gonna say there are definitely better droid episodes. This is among 
this is considered probably one of the lowest points of Clone Wars, which is kind of unfair because it's just a fun little story, but it, it doesn't mean anything. Any episode where the main character sends some other people out to go buy fruit is just going to be a very weird episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, too, because Rebels will do that. That's like Rebels' the second episode, Calvin. Yeah, yeah that's, I, I watched that episode while I was unpacking my apartment. Yeah. Uh, just because I binge season one that's, of Rebels. That's so funny, then, that they uh, they double down on the fruit buying. I, I like the fan theory that uh, R2 is the narrator and he's telling the story. Which is why he gets all the hero moments in the movies. It doesn't hold up as well for Clone Wars because R2 is not in very many episodes. But I like I like watching the episode with that in mind was fun because like 3PO goes gets tortured and R2 is in a spa. I know. I know. I thought the droid spa was very funny. I thought the droid, droid spa was it, it felt like um like Wally to me. Yeah. <laughs> with all the little droids. So, it was, I... so that was cute. I like Coruscant episodes are rich in world building, even when they're nonsense like this. So I like any time we get to spend any time on Coruscant. Yeah. I know. And it's weird because Coruscant is sort of like the heart of all of this. And yet we don't actually have a lot of episodes that are just on Coruscant, you know? Yeah. So it's funny it's, because it, it's, it's nice. It is. It's a really significant location in Clone Wars, but I it we haven't got that many. And I'm thinking of. I mean, yeah, there's a lot more coming on Coruscant, but we we do go out into the far reaches of the galaxy for a lot of Clone Wars, so it's nice when we see basically the New York City of the Republic. Exactly. I was just gonna say it's like New York City, and well, and and especially like sort of what the streets are like. I mean, honestly, like every time we're on Coruscant, we're like talking to Palpatine. You know, we're we're yeah. doing stuff. Yeah, we don't and ever it's get, really like, nice. Chases through Coruscant, or like see what the actual city of Coruscant is like. Well, we do, but like, it, but we I, either. I understand what you mean. But even We're then, like the, the chases are even then the chases are always like you're scaling the buildings and blah blah blah. Like I like that we just kind of got to see them go through the market. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We're we're either in the ivory tower or we're at like the seediest underworld part, and this was I a nice know. middle. So like the I'm with Anna that the story's kind of nonsense even though I'm not a droid hater yeah. but sorry not sorry it's uh Cat Bane's fun I I I love the voice Corey Burton does for him uh yeah. so he's always a good he's always um, a delight Toto I think is his droid companion's name he's cute yes got rebuilt after he uh got blown up in the uh in the the Jedi Temple arc. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention for this episode actually, is... Wait, no, actually, I really think that this, like, set of episodes, the shopping trip, Hostage Crisis, Hunt for Zero, I think that they should have been where Hostage Crisis is in the release order, in the chronological order. Agreed. I'm not yeah. sure why this is here, um, because there's nothing that inherently makes it season three. Yeah. Um, and but... I kind of forget about Zero, too. Yeah. And and I mean, Clone Wars does that. They will they will introduce a character and then bring them back three seasons later. Yeah. But what I wanted to say for this and the next one is uh, these were honestly very fun Anakin Padme episodes. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's like because I remember I enjoyed the sort of juxtaposition of them trying to be like a put together couple kind of in, in evil plans and then them doing absolute nonsense in the Senate building. <laughs> that's very true the 
podcast. The plot contrivance of Anakin losing his lightsaber, um, and then like her having it and all the ridiculousness. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, when she was like, "Wait, I am. Um, I actually have a lightsaber." And who who was it? Was it Senator Organa? I think it's Bail like, Organa, who's yeah. like, I, yeah. "I knew it. I knew it." I know. I know. Very I suspicious. Yeah, yeah, it is funny to try to keep track of in this rewatch who's figured it out um, because they're so unsubtle and uh, Bail Organa has definitely clocked it. Yeah. I don't think Ahsoka's mm-hmm. clocked it quite yet. No, Ahsoka's too young. Um, Ahsoka, like, really wants to believe that Anakin is more than he is, you know? Yes. Like, Ahsoka really looks up to Anakin and so she doesn't want to think that he would break the rule in such a big way. And yeah, I also it's... think it would hurt her. I also think it would hurt her because in a lot of ways, like, she is the most important person to Anakin, or at least that might be what she thinks. So I feel like it would be kind of heartbreaking to find out and then realize, like, I don't know. Yeah. Hey, he's got a wife. <laughs> it'll it'll be an interesting thing to keep track of because uh, we there's not like a an explicit time jump. But Ahsoka mm-hmm. is significantly older in her new character design. Um, so, like, she she will start a... She, this is sort of Ahsoka part two, uh, mm-hmm. where she's she's definitely... She's way more 16 than 14. Yeah. Like, if that makes any sense. I don't know. Like I really wish that they had, like... The Clone Wars should be longer. Yep, but I'm going with canon ages. Yep. No, I mean, as am I, I just... Yeah. Um, yes, it's the, uh, it's the one... George Lucas thing that really means nothing that I wish they would kill um, is the three year long Clone Wars. Yeah. But it really doesn't matter. I did while while watching these, I really enjoyed the music in Hostage Crisis. It was really going off uh, in the way that only season one of Clone Wars really does. I think they had an orchestra for a little bit and they were using it, especially at the end with like the the high drama showdown with the when the, mm-hmm. they storm the Senate building and he and he still gets away with it. I know this was very this was a very dramatic episode in general. <laughs> like, well, in, in kind um, of the way that season one of Clone Wars was, like it was yeah. pretty small scale, but like what was going on was going on. High stakes, high stakes. I know because in love, like later seasons, they can kind of afford to do like the silly fruit episode because they already yeah. have they've like secured funding and they know they're going to have a couple seasons to develop the story but yeah. season one it was like i gotta prove that this is good um, yes yeah. hostage crisis was uh the season one broadcast finale it was the final episode yeah. of season one and it was uh it was cad bane's debut this was the first time we ever saw him oh. and our sing's debut too who's our sing oh yes but we we got the whole boba fett stuff uh so yeah. Although in chronological oh, right, order, right. if this is, that's interesting then too. Maybe that's why it's here is showing that Aura Singh's back on her feet after this. I don't know. Yeah. That's but really then, interesting. Uh, I, yeah, I, I forgot she was in this episode. Yeah, this was this was her debut. They were sort of beginning the whole bounty hunters thing that season two dealt a lot with, and this was sort of almost like it was almost a backdoor pilot for season two of the same show. Because Cad Bane features heavily in the beginning of season two. I um, I know. And then we get to um, hunt for zero. Hunt for zero. This is this is bar none the weirdest episode in Clone Wars. I know. I, okay. I. <laughs> this, is, this is the most batshit episode they ever made. 
Well, first of all, they were like, okay, we're going to introduce this buck wild Jedi. First of all, this super weird dude. Oh, yeah. Um, and then- Quinlan Boss. This was also controversial back in the day. Oh, really? So Quinlan Boss comes from the old comics in the 2000s that also introduced Ayla Secura before she was put in the movies. I see. And he was her master. And he was not characterized like this. He was way more of like a brooding kind of guy and way more serious. Not the surfer dude that we get here. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. It was a nice juxtaposition to early one. Yes. Yeah, I thought he was fun. Well, I was like, that's yes, what, himbo. Yeah, that, and that's what, like, <laughs> Clone Wars is all way more about, like, contrasting to their main characters with their guest stars than being true to a comic from 2003. So yeah. I like, Quinlan Voss is very fun in this episode. I, I don't know, is this, this episode's great. The dance number, the... I know, the, Zero's it, girlfriend. The inexplicably drawn-out makeup makeout scene between a hut and a person with lips on a stalk. I know. What are those? What is that species called? I don't know. They're the, the cabaret singer species. Yeah. I used to know this because I had the uh, visual dictionary, the original one from like 2006. I, I, th- I really loved how, you know, there's like this whole stripper dance going on with like the sexy twilight you know girls and then and then the this what i what i can't even remember what her name was the but zero's girlfriend comes out she's looking like an absolute bug and all of the huts were like damn size noodles size noodles is her name yeah but oh and her voice her voice was the best like actually my favorite voice acting so far and it's 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 contrasted against Zero's voice, which is the other wildest voice in Clone Wars. The guy who voices Zero also voices Cad Bane. Oh, Um, that's fun. We love voice actors. Corey Burton. Corey Burton is a legend voice actor. He has got range. Uh, They're called Polowigs, by the way. Polowigs? I would have never come up with that. Like P-A apostrophe L-O-W-I-C-K. So that's interesting. Um, But now it's the the voice segment, right? Yeah, so here to discuss a little bit about some of the accents and stuff in Clone Wars is my mother and producer of this podcast, <laughs> Stephanie Keener. Hi. <laughs> I am the person who carried Calvin to his very first Star Wars movie in the womb for Phantom Menace about two weeks <laughs> before he was born. <laughs> Wow, you were like, I gotta get to this movie. I gotta get to this movie before this baby pops out. I remember it was a cultural event, uh, allegedly. I was, I was alive, but only barely. (laughs) I was about six months old when Phantom Menace came out, and my my parents did not go see it in theaters. They were a little busy trying to figure out how to deal with a baby. Yep. Yeah, I definitely squeezed that in before before this one popped out. <laughs> okay. So Zero the Hut. So Zero the Hut. Um, so part of the reason that I'm here, I guess the full reason that I'm here, is because I have a master's degree in, in interdisciplinary studies that's focused on the Appalachian region, and particularly the Appalachian South. So we do a lot of reading and writing and thinking about accent and the presentation of place in film and television and how 
that reads for the audience that's viewing. So I thought we would come on today. I would come on today and talk a little bit about zero or answer some questions about um, or think about some questions about how zero is presented and his the way he talks, which is super interesting. Very very weird. <laughs> I can sometimes do a cast off of an accent, but. Yeah, it's very New Orleans. Yeah. Um, he, he, I'm not sure about this. I mean, we didn't read this anywhere, but it's clear to me that the voice actor who you just mentioned, Wyatt, probably did a lot of watching of old Truman Capote interviews before he voiced Zero, because Zero sounds distinctly like Truman Capote, the writer. Yes, and that was a specific request from George Lucas. Really? That's so, yes. that's so interesting. Yeah, this is, uh, I remember this, I knew this fun fact, I think, before I knew who Truman Capote was, mm-hmm. um, because I, I was, as a kid, obsessed with, and still am obsessed with, like, behind the scenes of films I was watching, and Clone Wars had a, a pretty uh, robust amount of it for a TV show, because uh, Star Wars loves behind the scenes stuff. So yeah, when they when they decided to give Zero a voice, George Lucas was like, hey, can you do Truman Capote? And... <laughs> This is how we uh, ended up here. Well, I strongly recommend that everybody go and Google interviews with Truman Capote on the uh, some of the old late night talk shows. Uh, you know, he, he appeared on Carson and some of the others. He, he's definitely zero. Um, the guy nails it. I'm not sure why why George would would um, request Truman Capote for this particular <laughs> character. <laughs> that's it you've summed up star wars that's it we can end the podcast here i'm not sure why george did this yeah yeah it's you know he has an interesting life um but it's not very zero i mean i don't think he was you know part of a a secret underground um gangster group but um yeah yeah. it's interesting because the huts are the mafia basically mm-hmm. um in these episodes they talk about how like there's a record of their criminal dealings which means that they are like they put up fronts of being legitimate businessmen so it's an interesting like and that's what clone wars does a lot of times is it'll take weird sort of mishmashes of different influences so we've got truman capote apple south accents and and the mafia like no yeah. italian accents to be found that's right. Well, there is kind of a grand tradition of, you know, a, a, a Southern version of the mafia, for sure, and particularly coming out of, of New Orleans. And, you know, there there is certainly a level of criminality that, that there is a, a stereotype for there. But I think one of the things that's really interesting when you use a Southern accent in the in film and television is particularly that kind of accent that doesn't read as as stupid, but the one that reads as a little more highbrow, which is something that the Zero slash Truman Capote accent is sort of going for a little bit. That accent is often perceived as very implicitous. There's um, you know, a stereotype that Southerners can be very two-faced, you know, because we tend to be very polite and we don't say exactly what we mean all the time. And so other folks tend to read that as as manipulative, manipulative in a certain way. Um, 
And that's one of the reasons that that accent can be very powerful with that kind of a character, because as soon as you hear it, you know, Americans know that there's something not to be trusted there. There's a very grand tradition of that in, in American film. Um, and I think Quinlan Boss's appearance here in this kind of surfer dude way that, that he is, is really interesting because with that kind of character, you often need a, an even wilder person to come in and tame them. So Quinlan is, is the best, the best choice there because, you know, he, he's like Calvin said, just nicely juxtaposed against Obi-Wan, who's very fussy. By the books. Yeah. <laughs> fussy and weird. And yeah. Obi-Wan talks funny and, <laughs> you know, but Quinlan's out there like, yeah, man, let's get it. <laughs> well, and it, it's an interesting point about like the duplicity because it, it does set up like the instant like knowledge of the character archetype you're getting. Mm -hmm. But Zero is also the one who gets double crossed in this episode. Mm -hmm. He's not the mastermind. So it's an interesting subversion of you're, you're sort of expecting him to be on top of things. And then it's uh size noodles. Who's actually manipulating everything the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to watch out for those, those performer women. <laughs> I think the other thing that's, <laughs> that's really interesting there is how, um, you know, you go to Zero's mom's house, right? And you see her. Um, I then, I almost forgot about that. It's yeah. been long enough since I watched the episodes. This really is the weirdest episode in the whole series. <laughs> so strange. You know, he basically uh, goes to his mom's house and you have that whole conversation about, oh, my mama. <laughs> she says something like, I knew you'd show up at dinner time. <laughs> It's so weird, but you know they they go into her house and and basically Cad Bane shows up and murders Zero right there. Yeah. No, wait. no, besides Zero's murders him. Right, but that doesn't happen until after she gets the the yeah. guns there. That's right. Um, it, it's an interesting place. I think Neil Hutta is it's kind of swampy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I, I would say you know as you are moving through Star Wars. Watching how place is read as a character is something that that I think shows up again and again as a theme. You know, where are those places like who are the people that are from swamps or deserts or mountains? You know, those are folks that's that's a part of how that character is presented. And are they is there something about how the place reads that gives you a clue? to the wildness or the character of those those people there. Yes, especially with how often Star Wars and Clone Wars uses both archetypes and stereotypes mm -hmm. uh, in developing, especially like when they need a, a planet of the week. Yeah, yeah. you're going to see a desert planet or a swamp planet or, or something like yeah. that. And the cool thing is we will definitely, we're going to spend more time on Nalhutta uh, when they have more money going into it, so we get to see even more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank that you was a... so much, Mom, for joining us. Um, yeah, thank you. That was really interesting. An academic deep dive on the dumbest episode of Clone Wars. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot, that's like really insightful for this yeah. ridiculous arc. Uh, I, 
I like I was giving Evil Plans credit for doing some things, but it's not very good. This is uh, Hunt for Zero might be the weirdest episode, but it's it's not. It's one of I think how I would explain the series is like okay, they're going to be really really good episodes, really serious discussions of war, and also Purple Slug Truman Capote gets murdered by a blob with lips in a crime episode sorta also there's a surfer and then immediately after i mean at least for us we had heroes on both sides which i felt like was so serious and it's like whoa whiplash from yeah whatever was going on here to like honestly understand the separatists like you know what you know what the craziest thing is that was the broadcast order Oh my god, yeah, you're right. It it was literally the next episode. There was a week in between, so it wasn't the same as binging. But, like, they went from Hunt for Zero to Heroes on Both Sides. And, like, I think as we move into talking about Heroes on Both Sides and the political-focused episodes, this, I think, is where I would divide the series. And it's not just because they switched the character models. But, like, this is where it gets serious. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I I really liked this episode. I found it like, well, this first of all, I want to say is like the episode where I was like, okay, I know that I'm definitely right about Palpatine. And but but I was really surprised because I I didn't really understand the separatists. And I and to some extent, I, I really still don't. But it was really interesting to be like, oh, right. Like the separatists aren't just the Sith. Like the separatists are people, are political leaders. And people who think that what they're doing is right. And I really enjoyed that we got to see that side of things, especially as sort of like, because I, I want to say like Ahsoka. Um, and, and, and for most of this, I want to say like Ahsoka is kind of the narrator of Clone Wars. Yes, like she's, the, she's the, the audience. Whose eyes that we see. Yeah. Yeah, she's the and audience so, surrogate. Yeah. And, and so seeing her like begin to try to understand this was huge it was really significant and and then when you know we find out shit didn't work i feel like it's extra heartbreaking because i really got my hopes up that the clone wars was gonna end in um season three nice yeah that it, it thing we've been fucking with you the whole time it ends in season three the rest of clone wars is a slice of life nothing bad ever happens nothing bad happens yeah <laughs> this uh but yeah so the the way clone wars sort of sets up the separatists is that it's a legitimate political movement that has been hijacked by two different forces the galactic corporations who are all of the bad guys we see like every separatist leader that is like a a bad guy of the week is part of one of those corporations like watt tambor watt tambor George Takei's uh, fat Nemoidian from season yeah. one. Um, and all non-humans, too. All of the corporate people, it's just of note that they're all, like, a- alien, non-human species. That's true. That's racism. Well, the yep. interesting thing is, is I do think it was just the design team going off. Like, they went, they, it was Attack of the Clones when they really went ham with the digital stuff. So I, I think part of it was just like, let's do some cool designs. But there is always intentional and unintentional real world parallels that they're setting up, yeah. especially with the corporate stuff, because it's it's that's the stuff that George Lucas is like in interviews. Yes, this is a real world allegory. Please listen to me. Um, but also so that they've been hijacked by the the like people like Mina Bonteri don't realize that they're being manipulated by the Sith. They might know they're being manipulated by the corporations, but there's two levels of evil going on here. And that's what's that's the 
that's why it fails. And it's it is heartbreaking when it when it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, yeah, I really I really liked this episode for like all these political reasons. Yeah. I really hated it because they were like, and we're just gonna like throw in this cute boy because we really want to hammer home that Ahsoka's not gay. Yeah, like, Lux, all is, right, Lux all is right. a dweeb, but I liked Lame. his I liked his conversation with her though. I liked I liked his role as sort of giving her another point of view rather than like his role as her crush. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This absolutely. Is, this is very much another Ahsoka kind of deepening her own worldview. Yeah. yeah uh, of course. And getting a swanky new outfit. Yeah, yeah. Thank God for the new outfit. I love it's funny because I've been waiting because I hate the the season one design of Ahsoka enough, but it's mostly because it's in comparison to this outfit, which is so cool. I love it. Also, Anakin and uh Anakin and Obi-Wan got new designs as well. I think we see yeah, Anakin in this episode. I like I like Ahsoka's new design. I'm not a huge fan of Anakin's. I I don't really notice Obi-Wan's. Obi-Wan's it's it's like similar yeah. enough that it's not jarring, but Anakin's new design was jarring for me. I will say so this is this is what they look like in Revenge of the Sith. Um so this is it's showing the passage of time and to have them in their robes rather than the clone armor. Yes. Yeah. Uh um, but it is it is kind of wild. They make him significantly bigger. Like Anakin was beefy, in the gym, beefy man. Yeah, which also kind of makes sense because if you think about it, Anakin's not that old, so he he could just have finished growing. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, no, it's um, it's the uh, every couple episodes I want to hammer home that we're older than Anakin. I know. Um, but so then we have Pursuit of Peace, which if I'm being honest, out of all of these episodes, like I this is the one I remember the least. Yeah, this yeah yeah just like weird weird like they're trying to kill the senators yes Boo-hoo. and i i think it like it doesn't really work i know that like it is chronologically in like that the story works in this order but having senate murders right after it and it's just dead senators again yeah um i is know yeah kind of it's i don't know the politics stuff is interesting yeah um, for sure but the the like the a plot of the the sort of action because it's a they had that it they I think they thought they can't just do the West Wing for a week on Clone Wars on Cartoon Network. Ugh, um, how dare they! I, this is as close I would as they. Love that. So another interesting thing is that this is another episode that is considered in the bottom of Clone Wars episodes. The politics yeah. focused episodes were not popular back in the oh. day. I think because I think an overlap of kids being bored and the like nerd audience wanting shooty bang bang. Yeah. There's always a segment of Star Wars fans that really wants it to be Call of Duty. And I do not understand them. They wanted Clone Wars to be war, war, war all the time. And I like the action episodes when I was a kid. But even now I'm like. This has just been a battle for 22 minutes, and I enjoy. Politics is just so interesting too within the. Yeah. No, I agree. That's what I was going to say. Is that so? They're so in depth. It's so. It's so good. It's so well done that I can't imagine not. Yeah. No. It's 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 part of the reason why I really really love the uh, prequel era because like even as convoluted and politics wise as they may have gotten in Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, like it's still just kind of fascinating to think about all the implications and yeah yeah the uh, awesome. the clone bill um which i think is in the next episode the one to expand like creation of clones is really interesting was that when yes. was that yeah that was the i i, it, I think that I was, think it was the overarching 
trucking thing. Yeah. Like they had to deregulate the banks in order to pay for the clones. So like, yeah, I love also not to not to like root against Padme, but I love that Padme's like her. She loses. She does not get the vote. Like they yeah. they vote for the war. Uh, yeah, yeah. There was that like speech that or that little thing that Palpatine said to Padme after in Senate murders after thing. He was like, "It's for the best anyway." I'm like. Fuck you, dude. She just this lost. Is, and this was uh, in one of these episodes where the, was the one where he really like looks at the camera and is like, we'll have to let the wheels of the Senate turn. I yeah. know. What a slime ball. Masa Meta's in on everything, right? Yes. Masa Meta knows. But I, I also love how like if you hadn't figured out the Palpatine thing, you could just think he was a bad like a uh, bad guy in terms of that he's a sleazy politician. Yeah. Like, that's true. I... I it's super obvious because this is this is a franchise for children. But uh, I w- wonder, like, what an interpretation of having not clocked the Palpatine thing, but still thinking he's a bad guy, like he's just he's just George Bush. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I always default to the like Iraq War era stuff because that's when George right. Lucas made the prequels, and that's where a lot of the political illusions come in. But uh, it it a lot of Clone Wars like follow the Republic stuff works very well for the trump era yeah absolutely so let's just uh finish up with senate murders yeah um, uh i hate that detective so much i hated him when i was 10 i hate him now i know he's I doing know. like film noir but he has the most annoying voice in the series aside from the george lucas's son character from pursuit of peace this was not a good time for uh <laughs> not annoying voices i know i i, I but I, I don't know i still i really liked this episode in general, not like I didn't love it. It's not my favorite, but I, I thought it was kind of silly, kind of funny, even though it's serious because like death. I don't oh, know. I love a good it. murder mystery. Yeah. And it's another one of Clone Wars doing doing genres uh, and that they take yeah. they take on the uh, yes. murder mystery and the detect like the detective crime show. They do a procedural, essentially. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was fun. I thought that was like a nice. That's kind of what I like is when we get a break from fighting in politics and i mean it's obviously still politics yeah um, this was mostly people that liked each other and then there were a couple the, the people that they thought uh killed uh senator Farr, uh who really just gets a bad break after sort of just being a nice guy i know we never see yeah like I, one thing i really wish that we had seen like some mention even back in like earlier episodes where he was like on um uh really droid or combat jedi um like like all we really knew about him Anakondafar was that he was Padme's mentor. And then yeah. like we hear all this stuff about his shady past business dealing. An what interesting thing I I found is that they've like I don't know if this was retroactive or not, but they've like there was a Rhodian senator in Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones who they they say is on an Anakondafar, so he was in the movies as like a background mm-hmm. character, which is a fun thing I learned while Googling stuff about these episodes. I like the design consistency with the female Rhodians as well. Um, because we had that one mom in the the younglings arc and we have the uh, murderer here i don't like it's sometimes it's fine to just let i I don't always enjoy like the way animation does male female differences there's the classic like there's a duck and there's a duck with boobs uh tumblr post which is uh the the most succinct summation of that but i like that the i like the way they do it here I can't remember if, as a kid, I figured out it was her. I definitely had no fucking idea. I was so surprised. <laughs> I had no idea what was going to happen. 
but that was fun. I usually feel like I figure out murder mysteries and stuff. So, um, yeah, and it does like it's it makes uh, what was she, she was mad about? I can't remember now. What was she mad I don't about? Know. I don't. I don't know. She, she didn't trust Senator Barr on um, like that he wouldn't also. Oh yeah. Well, and and that's actually a, a good connection to his first appearance, where he lost a lot of goodwill with the with with aligning with the separatists. He just yeah. He had a really bad time. He seemed yeah. like a good dude trying to do his best, and he did not have a good time in Clone Wars. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, he did, like, capture Padme, so... Right? That was him. Yeah, it he was. It was Newt Gunray's idea, but, yeah, he, he threw Padme in jail, yeah. which is always a bad idea, because she's out within five minutes um, yep. every time. But, yeah, he... But, like, the, the, the backdrop of that episode was that, like, there was famine on Rhodia. Because always, there's there's always a fucked up background thing in Clone Wars. So, like, yeah. he was, he was, the le- he was in charge of, tr- he was trying to help his people, and, uh, he was just he doing was what was best for his people in that moment. Pit against the good guys. Because that, and that's always the fun part about Clone Wars, even in, this was a season two episode, uh, Senate Murders, and, uh, we're talking about his first appearance in season one, is that the depth of, like, the motivations for minor characters is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really think, like, as a character, he's really interesting. And and honestly, even though this episode is kind of inconsequential, I think, to Clone Wars, or at least right now, like, it doesn't seem like it has a huge effect on Star Wars as a whole. This is a really one, fun episode. There's one butterfly effect thing that happens oh. in this episode that I will talk about when we get there. We get to it. Uh, yeah. Involving one of the... Uh, senators who dies in this episode oh but it's not like ever stated out loud but it's something that uh people have sort of figured out between the lines and it is really interesting because it sets up a very consequential group of episodes that continues to have effects throughout the whole rest of the series Ooh, that's Hmm. exciting um i'm really i i'm looking forward to that then so yeah kelvin what do we have coming up so we really get into the meat of clone wars (laughs) Uh, Night Sisters Adventures arc with Night Sisters Monster and Witches of the Mist, and then one of my favorite arcs overall, the divisive Mortis arc with Overlords, Altar of Mortis, and Ghosts of Mortis. Yeah. Next, we have absolute wild shit. I'm excited. I love these. I, I like. I I love this. I am so also much. excited. I yeah, love this is great. Arcs, like over and over again. It's great. All right. Cool. Okay. Right. Thank you. Your girl. Your girl Ventress is back, Anna. My girl! Thank you guys for listening to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast. You can find us on Facebook at First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, on Twitter at First Steps SW, and on Instagram at First Steps Star Wars. You can stream us on any of the major podcast handles, and you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thanks a lot.